0: I can't wait for you to experience the magic of this beautiful gratitude journal for mothers. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, episode 41 How to Really See Your Children and Help Them to See You. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Okay, everybody, she's back. We have Dr. Katie Penry with us again this week. She is the clinical psychologist that you heard in episode 23, which was how to stop looking at your phone so much and why it matters. And it has been a wildly popular episode. And we are so grateful to have her back on the podcast today to continue that discussion and teach us further. So Dr. Penry, thanks for coming back on.
1: Oh, this is exciting. I'm really happy to be here.
0: Well, there has been a huge response to your episode. It is by far the most downloaded episode I've had on my show and I know a lot of my listeners have joined your lookup challenge that you have on your website, a friendly affair.com challenging parents to look up from their phones. What has the response been to your lookup challenge since you know, you first released it?
1: It's been amazing. I, I get, I get these emails all the time, just parents, really connecting to their older children, to their infants, saying, I was having these behavioral behavioral problems. I was at the end of my rope. I didn't know what else to do. I tried the look up challenge. And now I'm more connected. My kid is better behaved. I never would have thought that simply being more attuned would have made this big of a difference. So I keep getting all of these awesome testimonies and I'm kind of screenshotting them and collating them because I want more people to see that something as simple as just learning effective media use habits can make a huge difference in your family's life. So, uh, you know, it's been really good.
0: I love that it's just a seven-day course. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so accessible for parents. And that's what I love about your work. I mean, you have this mass of education, um, multiple degrees. And we were just talking before we went on air about how she studied with some of the top experts in maternal and infant mental health. And yet you break down all of that education into these really practical, doable things for parents. You really have a passion for making it accessible to the everyday mom. And I love that about your work. You've come out with some new e-courses in the last couple of months, mm-hmm. um, which we can talk more about. Maybe we'll do that at the end of the episode so people know where they can find more of you. Sure. So it's just so cool to see you using everything that you've gained in your education to help the everyday mama in the trenches.
1: Thank you. I think mean, that that's the best compliment I could possibly receive is translating really obscure, dense, almost annoyingly so, research <laughs> into something parents can actually use. I mean science is hustling to get mama's awesome stuff, but they just, the average scientist cannot speak to regular people. I, I, and so just like reading, being able to read their stuff and make it accessible. Totally. So for you to say that, that's huge. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. And you are a mom yourself, which I think helps a lot to you understand the everyday challenges and you have two little ones, like five and two or three. How old are your kids?
1: one is about to turn three one just
0: turned five so, okay so yeah, yeah. They're
1: about two years apart
0: you get it mm-hmm. so okay so now I feel like there are hundreds and thousands of parents looking up from their phones now thanks to you what's the next step of this work now okay. that we're looking up now what do we do
1: All right. Good. Yeah. That's why I'm here today. I, you asked me what my response has been or what the response has been to the lookup challenge. I get a lot of compliments and then I got, I get a lot of what now, but these questions have been really interesting because they aren't fear-driven. Like I do get a lot of fear-driven referrals. Obviously parents come into my office kind of panicked and afraid. These questions that I'm getting from the people who get through to to the end of the lookup challenge are kind of excited. Like I'm connected to my kid. I'm finally feeling like I'm hitting a stride as a parent. You know, what can I do now? And so that's why I was so excited to get back and you know, get an invite back on the show because I really want to talk about what it means to be a responsive caregiver, you know, Mm -hmm. last episode we spoke really about the value of looking up obviously. And now I want to talk about looking with or like being available to your kid once you're attuned.
0: Great. And I love that you, you know, that now that you're looking up, it's time to look with. I love that you continue that theme of looking. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are your takeaways for how we can have a responsive relationship with our children and we can look with them? What's your first takeaway?
1: All right. So my first takeaway is look at the world with your child. So try and look along their gaze, Mm -hmm. looking along their gaze rather than just looking at them or looking into each other's eyes. You actually kind of want to step into what they're looking at. Describe it, be there with them, Uh, notice what they're noticing, feel what they're feeling. One of the big parts of being a really responsive parent is making your child feel felt and stepping into your child's gaze, stepping into their affective experience is a big part of that. So I would say two quick ways to do that if you have young kids. Read a little bit differently. Loosen yourself up. Don't worry about the narrative or the plot so much. Just look at what they're looking at. There's characters, feelings, colors. There's an artist in each picture book. Notice those things with your kids. If you don't get to the end of the story, who cares? The other one I would say is is if you have older children, expand your repertoire of of end-of-the-day questions. Go on scavenger hunts. Wonder together about life's mysteries, about their emotions, about your common experiences. You just want to work at pulling yourself into any moment with your kid.
0: Okay. So your first suggestion was to read with them in a different way, like picture books with them in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you ask them questions about the book? Do you just follow their gaze? And then how, how how would you read differently without just going through the words on the page? What are some strategies for that?
1: Okay. So my just telling you to do this is going to make a huge difference because what you're going to do is you're just going to let the plot go. And you will begin to notice that your child points at things, gets surprised at things, asks questions. Whenever I observe other parents reading, and it's okay to have a plot-driven reading session. That's okay. But whenever I notice people who are very plot-driven in their reading, they ignore the questions of their kids. They don't hear them. But simply opening just that little valve in your brain that says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear my kids on a different level while we're reading the story I know that it seems vague, but it's really very powerful. And I know that it's actually going to make a difference. So if my kid points at something, I'll say, what's that? What are they doing? Oh, my Hmm. goodness. They do feel excited. I noticed that you felt excited when we turned the page. I wonder if so-and-so is feeling that way.
0: I love the way that you asked that. What's that? Like, you weren't saying, what's that? Like, give me the definition, child. Oh, <laughs> you totally. were saying You were saying, what's that? As if you were just as interested and surprised as they are. Like, you're asking them to right. help you out. Like, answer for me. What's that? And so you're entering into that experience with them.
1: I love that you pointed that out, Rachel. The trick to really good process-oriented reading, process-oriented art, process-oriented scavenger hunt or living is really wondering, and the trick to wondering well is really releasing some of your authority. Like you want to wonder with your children. You don't, you know, mm-hmm. you don't know what is in this page. Uh, you you can read the book and you can say what the author was telling you is in this page, but to your child, you don't know what they're seeing. You don't know what they're feeling. You just have to wonder with them and try and learn together.
0: I love that. My, my daughter goes to a adorable Waldorf preschool that I love and I'm obsessed with. And her teacher gave a little lesson to the parents about therapeutic storytelling. And she, yeah, so cool. I want to have her on the podcast at some point, but she talked about um, using like, well, she talked about telling your own stories, not from a book, but just like from your mind and your heart, um, using like nature sounds and making them with your, you know, like the sound of the wind, and the the rain pitter patter, pitter patter. And that night when I came home and I was reading Sally, her book, Mm -hmm. that was a book. I wasn't making up the story, but I started to notice that there were opportunities for me to add in those sounds Mm -hmm. if I just slowed Mm -hmm. down my reading and I wasn't just like pounding through it to get through the book so I read the words and I kind of made some nature sounds along with the words Mm -hmm. and she just was like so she was looking at me just like in wonder that I was doing this and we were experiencing the story together so I thought that was a great tip from a Waldorf preschool teacher who is so great with small children
1: definitely and you're making my point there I can't it's, it's maybe even counterproductive for me to tell you exactly the way to do this. But if you just make space and start noticing something magic can happen, you know, that's mm-hmm. all you did is, is you just stopped trying to get to the end of the book and you noticed all yeah. sorts of new things.
0: Yeah. Um, and one thing I've loved on your feed on Instagram, A Friendly Affair, you share a lot of like, are they search and find books or, oh, yeah. um, is that what you call them? Tell us a little bit about those types of books.
1: Oh, so this is like, where's Waldo, you know, but there are a lot of really good ones now. Whenever we were kids, it was, I spy and where's Waldo. And that was about it. Uh, uh-huh. but now I've, well, Richard scary too. Richard scary is an awesome one because the, the characters are always doing something and there's multiple plot lines kind of happening no words except for maybe um like a brief little word here or there ex- explanation of what so and so is doing at the grocery store and um i love w- opening up a book that's very busy and just kind of noticing what my kid is noticing and like, oh yeah. my gosh, that is so funny. The, what is it? Is it bookworm? What is the name of the little worm? And Richard's scary. Oh,
0: um, isn't it lowly or something? Something.
1: I, I don't know. And it's like, oh, that is. look at where <laughs> And he is, just yeah. has the he has
0: the one shoe. Oh yeah, there's, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he has the one shoe and he's like hopping along. <laughs> That's what you're talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's Richard scary. <laughs> and I don't know. It's, it's just like seek and find books are totally, there's a ton on my on my Instagram feed. You should get into it for sure.
0: Okay. So takeaway number one is to look at the world with your children. And I love that you pointed out to look along their gaze, look at what they're looking at and respond and ask questions and wonder with them. Totally.
1: Have you ever read CS Lewis's meditations from a tool shed? No. Oh my goodness. It's just this quick little essay. And he's basically in this, in this tool shed. And he says, I walk into the tool shed, essentially, I'm going to, I'm just going to, and I look at a ray of light and I see this kind of the specks, the dust floating in the ray. And I can look at this ray of light. I can even look at what that ray of light is shining on, say it's an old wheelbarrow. But whenever I step." into the ray of light, and I look along it back up, I can actually see through the crack of the door. I can see the trees on the outside. I can see the wind blowing. He's having two different experiences of that light. You can do this with your kid. You can have an experience looking at your child, which is important and actually makes is a great segue to my next point. But you can Mm -hmm. also step in and look at what they're looking at. And it's a totally different experience of your child. Yeah, So so I guess my first point is just to look, to look along. And maybe my second point is maybe looking at, uh, okay. Getting to know your child, figuring out who they are. So my second point is get to know your child's temperament. Temperament is the way a person typically experiences and reacts to the world. It's biologically pre-wired and it stays pretty consistent over time. And so every child is born with a temperament. Psychologists typically uh, register temperament on five different continuums. And a really powerful way to be responsive caregiver is to notice how they notice. So in other words, you're not just looking with them, you're actually noticing how they even look, okay? Mm -hmm. Does this make sense? So Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll tell you, the practical takeaway Mamas and daddies, here are the five things you can start noticing. Notice the intensity of your child's reaction. This is temperament trait number one. Whenever they experience something new, is it are they like easily overwhelmed? Do they get really wild and have to have a body experience, or are they just very cool and they're just kind of taking it all in? Um, number two, frustration tolerance. Do they throw something down and have a tantrum or do they just kind of plod along, keep at it? Number Mm -hmm. three, coping with change. Is this child, do they need kind of a rigorous routine to be happy and healthy or are they kind of going with the flow? How Mm -hmm. a kid responds to change is biologically a part of their temperament. I mean, you just, some kids, Cannot or have a very hard time dealing with change. Now, does this mean? Does this mean you have to rearrange your whole life so that you're rigorous? Nope. But it does mean that you can have empathy for their experience, understanding that this kid is just going to have trouble with this. And so, rather than barking at them or being judgmental, I can really come alongside them and say, "This is the way it is in our family, bud, and I know it's hard for you. What can we do to make this easier?" Okay, so. you know how this kid copes with change noticing how they live how they experience life the fourth temperament trait is activity level this is so obvious especially to people with babies like you know right away some kids are crawling all over the place they're putting everything in their mouth they experience their life (laughs) with all their sensitive senses and some babies are just like hey i'm in the swing guys look at me i'm not trying to go anywhere you know,
0: they're just chill.
1: So chill. And uh, the fifth temperament trait is typically reactions to new people. I mean, some people just some babies, kids are just slow to warm. And some really aren't some really enjoy new people and enjoy the experience of meeting. Uh, That's Mm. Yeah, so those are your five temperament traits.
0: And so, what do you do with those? Like, um, so all you consider all five of those as you're looking at your child and, and trying to kind of figure out how they tick. You think about all five of those,
1: right? Yes, yes. Whenever I'm well, not anymore. Now I kind of just know it. Kind of know. Now
0: you know what to expect from yeah, your kids. Yeah,
1: I kind of know. What it, for instance, the one that we deal with with my daughter is intensity of reaction, and her reactions to new people. Uh, A part of the Southern culture is that we say hello and goodbye. In fact, that's a really important routine for every child. Uh, Hello Mm -hmm. and goodbye. In Southern culture, it's particular in that I really expect her to greet her adults And not just out of routine, but out of respect. And so that involves kind of a looking at, I mean, most adults down here expect to be looked at in the face and spoken to whenever they first meet a child. And rather than handicap her or make adults think poorly of her, i.e. her teachers, I have to work with her to do this. Okay. I have to work with her. She doesn't have to hug. She doesn't have to speak or have a conversation, but she does have to look an adult in the face and say hello.
0: Even though she's slow to warm. So
1: slow to warm. And so this has been a a real challenge for us. But rather than making her feel shame or embarrass her about it, I'm able to, I know that she's slow to warm. So I don't ever just throw her into an adult party situation without saying, okay, we're going to so-and-so's house to visit mama's friend. I know that you're just getting to know her. This is going to be hard. Here's what I expect. Why don't we practice on the way there? Mm. And so I'm just kind of, I'm not shaming her. Uh, I'm trying to see how she sees the world and play accordingly Mm. without um, changing my expectations so much.
0: Yeah. And especially, I feel like this could be important if they have a different temperament than their caregiver or their parent. Like, I mean, I assume just from my interactions with you that you are more outgoing Uh and Uh let, and, and so you probably are quick to warm. Am I right? right? Right. So it could be easy for you to be like, "What is wrong with her?" Like, exactly. get, you know, like mm-hmm. get out there, get in there. Like, you need to get over this type of thing. Right. But you recognize and respect her temperament, and you're more like, "Okay, how can I help her and work with her to develop the skills she's going to need to have while still respecting her temperament?"
1: Right. Yes. Exactly. It. it I want to make it clear that temperament differences between parent and child usually feel like what's wrong with her. That's Mm. usually the feeling. That's usually the gut reaction. And so I'm just kind of with my second takeaway, encouraging parents to, whenever they notice themselves having that feeling, what's wrong with her, to actually kind of look at these five axes and to also Mm -hmm. consider their own temperament and what might be happening here. How might you be able to actually look with your child? How might you be able to look at how they experience the world?
0: Hmm. And I love how this connects back to your lookup challenge or the idea of putting down your phone, because if you are so engaged in your own technology or social media, it's very hard to be attuned to what your child's going to need in that situation or to take the time to teach them and train Mm -hmm. them and prepare them Mm -hmm. for a situation Because you're sucked in to your Mm -hmm. own world and your own device. And so this is so great to point out that once you start putting down your phone and you're more aware of your world and your children's world, you're going to start noticing these little things about your children more and having the time that maybe was taken by social media before to say, okay, I'm going to take this time to kind of teach them some of these skills and help them through Mm -hmm. this or
1: Right. I, exactly. So if you haven't taken the lookup challenge yet, I really do encourage, I really do encourage you to go back and do that and then make this your second step. Uh, because mm-hmm. the lookup challenge is going to clear, I guess, the I, I keep wanting to use the word bandwidth, but you know what I mean? Like, it's going to give you the bandwidth to actually do this, to actually recognize yes. your child's temperament, to actually look with them.
0: Right. Look, look at them and think, "Oh, like getting to know them in a different way." And then mm-hmm. look with them for mm-hmm. sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, what's your third takeaway?
1: Okay, my third takeaway is tricky, but I it is important, and I have included it for a specific reason. The third te- takeaway is don't forget to fail, i.e., miss a tune. So since the lookup challenge came out, I've had a I've had a lot of great reactions. One of the reactions that I have gotten is, well, what do I do if I have to do laundry? What do I do if I want to read my book? In other words, responsive attunement, responsive parenting means total attunement, perfect attunement. And I just want to say with this final takeaway that perfection really is not the goal. You do want to be more attuned than distracted, especially in the early months and years of your kiddo's life. But production perfection is not only not the goal, it really is counterproductive. And so mm-hmm. there are going to be times when you have to take care of yourself mm-hmm. and that that's okay. Or you have to take care of your other family members. That's okay. You, right. you, you don't want this look up challenge to, to be a requirement for absolute and perfect attunement. I
0: I love this, that you pointed this out because I do think someone listening could think, so I just have to be in tune all the time and my whole world has to revolve around them and I'm not allowed to have any of my own needs or my own passions Mm -hmm. or things. Um, And what would your response be to that?
1: I would say that if you want a child that eventually has successful and responsive relationships of their own and not just with you, you know, to have responsive relationships with others, then you have got to come into the room. You have got to introduce yourself, your needs to your child. And that means sometimes telling them to wait, telling them, you got to stay with this babysitter because I have to have lunch with a friend. You Mm -hmm. know, you need to do the things that give you life. And so if you wanted to be super practical about this third takeaway, I would say, sit down right now and make a list of five things that give you life or restore you and make sure that you're doing those things regularly, daily. Do at least one of them once a day, Mm -hmm. you know, when everyone is sharing at the dinner table, make sure that you share your own stories make sure that you're a part of the family. You have to be a part of that relationship.
0: Yeah. And I, I love that idea of introducing yourself to your kids Mm -hmm. that you're, you're not just doing these things kind of on the side. You're, you're telling them like this, I, mom loves to read or, you know, I love to get together with my sisters and that's why I'm going away on this Mm -hmm. weekend with my sisters. Um, I'm a person and I have needs and passions and you're allowed, child, you are allowed to have needs and mm-hmm. passions too. And they'll be different from mine, but you'll be your own person and I'll be my own person. Mm-hmm, and we mm-hmm, can just mm-hmm. bless and support each other in this family.
1: Right. So if you look at this as a, as a project, um, like a narrative or a, a story arc, what I have done is we've got you attuned, we're, you're looking up, and then you're going to start looking with, you're just going to start noticing what they're noticing then you're actually going to start noticing them. You're going to start modeling a recognition of who they are.
0: Hmm. And then
1: finally, you're going to ask them to do that in return. Oh, love that. It's such an important final step.
0: We have to do it, ladies. That progression is brilliant. Those how those three takeaways build on each other. You're so wise.
1: Oh, please. Thank you. I just I it's heartbreaking to me um I know this is a sore subject this is controversial it is heartbreaking to me the obsession over the book The Giving Tree Uh, (laughs) because okay I mean this is a tree that gives of herself until she is a sad stump (laughs) okay yes and I'm like no no that's no good for that kid that kid has right. got to see eventually that kid. You've got to teach them how to see you or else they're never going to see their spouse. Mm. They're never going to see their partner. They're never going to see their employees. These things matter.
0: Yes, for sure. And do you think you can teach your kids um, similar things about your temperament. So like if you have a different <laughs> yes. um, like ability to, cope with activity level or you know those things can you teach them that that like okay I know that you are a kid that can go 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 but I am somebody that needs some break and some quiet and so I'm going to go we're going to do a quiet time because I need it you know so you're you're recognizing you are how do I want to say this you are making accommodations for their temperament and you're also expecting them to make some accommodations for your totally
1: and Rachel what I love about the, the, uh, what you just said there is that you started with modeling to them. Like you go to the park with them, you play, play, play. And now I need some rest. Like this is you Mm -hmm. and I gave you this. And maybe you do that for, you've been doing that for years, maybe, you know, just meeting their needs and taking them to the park. And then slowly you're saying, remember how I loved you this way. I need you to love me this way. I need love this way. And and I'm always going to work at at giving you the kind of love that actually meets your needs.
0: This has been so insightful. Um, As always, I hope we can have you as a regular here on the podcast. And I was wondering if you could tell the listeners about your new courses and what they can look forward to you releasing in the next little while and how they can find more of your work.
1: All right. So I already have a course out which is Introduction to Parenting, and it's essentially for new and expecting parents. If you have a child less than 12 months old, this is all about how to make sure your child is happy and whole and healthy, not just physically, but socially, emotionally, intellectually. It just walks you through ages and stages. It walks you through what like your kids, your infant's needs. And then the next course that I have coming up, and this podcast, really a lot of what I've been talking about here is going to be in that course is called your child's fundamental needs. And it's just no culture, no fluff, no opinions, just the science of what your kid actually really needs to thrive and how you can do it. I love it. I'm Mm. really, really excited about it because I think it's an answer to a lot of mama stress about Am I actually giving my kid what they need? I'm a little worried that maybe I've missed a mark, you know,
0: it's just. Mm. And, and mom guilt. I think it's an, it's a, it's a comfort for a lot of mom guilt about things that they feel like they're not doing. It's like, let's get down to the essentials of what's really going to feed their brains and their hearts and their souls. Um, And we can all do that differently. The way that we meet those needs is different depending on our personality and our kids personalities yeah
1: the way we meet these need this need might be different but this need is the same for every child they have these four fundamental needs and this is their core
0: all right dr penry thank you so much for being here and for sharing more of your amazing wisdom with us thank you She is brilliant and she is so passionate about making a difference to the everyday mom. And I really want to encourage those of you out there who are interested to check out her course, which is called The Fundamental Needs of Children. And the subtitle is The Four Things Your Child Really Needs and Nothing More. I just went and looked at it myself and I could not believe how inexpensive it is when considering her knowledge and the education that she has, it is less than one counseling session would cost and could potentially save you many, many counseling sessions in the future. So if you are interested in learning more from her, please go check that out. It's on afriendlyaffair.com forward slash needs. And it's also linked in my show notes. I'm going to recap the three takeaways for you right here, but there was so much in that interview. You might just want to listen to it again. Also, I will be sending out my monthly recap of all of the takeaways from the episodes this week, and I'll try to put as much detail in that as I can. So if you're not signed up for that, please get signed up for that at 3 and 30 podcastcom and then you will receive a printable of each month's takeaways. So... Dr. Penry taught us, first, that we need to look along our child's gaze. When we're reading books with them, when we're exploring nature with them, we need to notice what they're noticing. And then second, we need to notice them by looking at their temperament. She gave those five components of temperament, which are all discussed in depth in her course. And third, we need to Ask them to notice us in return. And I love that story arc that she talked about, how it's a process that once we love and respect and notice them well, it is totally appropriate to ask them to do the same for us, to have our own needs. I truly appreciate the time that Dr. Penry has taken with both episodes on this podcast. I really hope that you'll go back and find the first if you haven't listened to it already. And I hope that you have a fabulous week this week really noticing and entering into the worlds of your children. I'm Stacy
1: Toth. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne. And we'd like to invite you to come listen to our podcast, The Whole View. Each week, we follow the science for an in-depth answer to a listener-requested topic related to health and wellness. But we're not your typical health show. We're talking emotional and physical, looking at dozens of scientific studies to support our answers. You might be surprised what the science can tell us. When we share practical tips and embarrassing personal stories, we make sure no one is left thinking perfection is the goal. In fact, this one time at Bandcamp... Uh, uh, Not now, Stacy. Oh, right, sorry. I was about to get on a soapbox again.